We are doing uh, our theme CrossFit. Okay, and uh, you'll discover what and why we're doing all that we're doing this morning in a moment. But I, I wanted to share with you uh, a bit of justification of just exactly why we are doing this series CrossFit. Because some of you might not realise, but there are quite a number of church songs that endorse, that endorse a bit of CrossFitness. Okay, now you might not realise this, so let me enlighten you, okay? Um, nev- this, this is one, play- one song to go in every playlist for some Christian li- listening at the gym, okay? Lord, I lift your name on high. That's right, okay? It's all about getting the cross fitness ready. Of course, there's Darlene Checks 2008 Classic. High and lifted up. Oh, the third one. Now, this one, special time, because CrossFitness is needed at Christmas time as well. So when you've had a little bit too much pud and you're regretting what you've eaten and you get trying to get into those new routines, oh, come all you faithful to the gym. Uh, that's right. So a bit of CrossFitness... You might be thinking, well, that's not right. Like, we, we need some biblical evidence of cross-fitness. I've found quite a number of paraphrased scriptures that support cross-fitness. Romans 8, 28, and I say paraphrase. And we know that God makes all things work out. <laughs> Something like that. Um, who could forget our beloved Lord's Prayer? Now, some of you may or may not get this, but uh, Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy gains. Gains, yeah, okay, that's all right, look it up. Um, the last one. Who can quote Philippians 4.13 for me? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There's that cross fitness. Now, the, the scripture we have been looking at. Now, I know I'm jesting about working out our body, but we are looking at our spirit and the strengths of our church here. What is on the inside? 1 Timothy 4 8. For physical training is of some value. But godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and life to come. That's where we're focusing in with this series. This week, we are looking at one of our strengths as a church, and I say it's children. Our children. Here at Wheelie Church, we're not the biggest church going around. We can't do all the things that all the other churches may do. But we do hold it as a priority and make sure that we include children in the life of our church in whatever way we can because this place is as much a place for children as it is for every other demographic, age, position in life. Let's consider Jesus' approach to children, okay? And consider why, therefore, it is a strength for our church. In Matthew 18, uh, the first six verses, the disciples hand Jesus a perfect opportunity, 
as they do so many times, to be taught about something that Jesus sees as really important. The disciples, they had become concerned about status and a bit of pride of position and the role that they, they have in being so close to this Jesus person. And so this is what it says and how it plays out with Jesus' response. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child and had him come and stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. But if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Let me pray. God, we hear your words right now. And God, we ask and invite them to come settle in our hearts. Open our eyes, Lord, to what Jesus says, to his intentions, to his purposes. And God what he wants to see in our lives. God, just as the people then were transformed by his words, may we be transformed today as well. Amen. Three things tonight we're going to look at with this. is First, Jesus welcomed children. Jesus welcomes children. If you read through the Gospels, you'll notice a trend time and time again that the disciples, they try and turn away the children, whether it's because they saw them as unhelpful or getting in the way, whether, you know, they considered Jesus' business just to be too serious of a matter to have the children there. But time and time again, Jesus rebukes the disciples and actually encourages them to come in closer. Matthew 19, 13 to 15. It tells how Jesus stopped the disciples turning them away so he could lay hands on them before he continued on. Even the letters to the early church in Ephesus and Colossae include instructions to children which assumed their place in the gatherings of those churches and also assumes their role in the gatherings of those churches. Churches. You know, sometimes I think about uh, my first church, the church I attended since birth uh, up until I was 12. It would have perhaps been a similar size to, to the church here. I, uh, I can remember every time Les Crothers was on the door um, at the church. The, the church was, we, we had our church services in a old community hall. Had a massive, just long floorboard hall with a few adjoining rooms with tea and coffee, that sort of thing. And, um, and so, you know, you walk in this place and everyone can hear your footsteps. Um, and every time Les Crothers was on the door greeting me, uh, 
He would always tell me about how his team, Essendon, went. Even if they lost, he would talk them up and, oh, brag on and, and give it to me about Port Adelaide. Even if we were winning, he'd still give it to me if we played each other. Oh, look out on the welcome. Like, I don't know how, you know, this was one of the dads, but I still remember that fondly. Every time, that relationship that we had. You know, this church was a place where I, when I could handle the responsibility, would be able to come along and share one of the Bible readings. I do remember Dad getting me up early enough, you know, before other people in, at home and in the lounge room and having the Bible there and practising it, practising it. And, oh, such my dad making me do that. But having that opportunity to, to read the Bible before I was 12 in, in church because I could and I could contribute. I remember when, when we first were allowed to uh, work the old overhead projector and the pressure you felt every single time, even though you just had the slide on there, you're still going, hang on, hang on, which way? So, and it goes up that way and which upside, oh, it's upside down, it's around the wrong way and oh, but we were given that opportunity. And once we, you know, had some practice, we could do it quite well. My twin and I, in this floorboard hall, as soon as church was finished, we'd be out to the car, we'd retrieve the tennis ball, and before any of the rows of chairs were being packed up and put to the side, this was our soccer rink. No worries. And you know what? If people were a bit slow to pack things up, we didn't hold it against them. We still just played anyway. We, of course, were, had to be considerate of them and the space that we're in, but they were also graciously considerate of us in the space as well. Every time I think of this church, it's fond memories. It's a place that we belonged. Various age of kids in our family and all the other families at church, um, we were all a family. And we all played an equal part. We were all welcome there. We loved going to church. We loved being there. We loved our church family. And, and I actually, uh, Sarah and I worked together when we were 12. Um, and so uh, actually in the last couple of years, a, a family who'd been in that church congregation uh, came and joined the church congregation that we've recently been a part of. And... And even having not seen them for, well, not spoken to them for literally 15 years, it was like welcoming one of my own family into the church and greeting them. And, and you know, you pick up where, it was, where we left off. That's what my first church family and community was for, for us. We should always aspire to this place being one of the same nature that Psalm 84 verse 3 says. It illustrates God's house. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may uh, have her young, a place near the altar. This needs to be a place where all can find their home. And I think one of the strengths that we do have as a congregation and as a church, is that we do welcome children. How good is it? I know I've had this experience myself recently to be able to walk in our beautiful entrance 
classic entrance to walk in and see straight away a space for our kids for families to not be hemmed in to not be to have to shut go past people and shuffle down a road but we've got space where where families new families can come in and straight away and see hey there's a space that has been made for us considering our kids before they even come here I think it's a beautiful thing and I want to encourage you that, that let's, let's keep that space for them. There's of course a space for boundaries and we ex- don't expect kids to be any more than what they are. We know what comes with kids. We know what's involved. We create some space for them to be able to move and breathe here. But of course there is a degree where we want to put things in place and protect them and allow them to be able to be here safely. We as a church, uh, before I've come along, but I know we have committed to making sure that this is a safe church for all in policy, in procedure, and what we stand by. And, and we, we consider ourselves a child-safe church here. And that's something we, that's been done on an executive level. It was something I encountered in my interviewing process here at Willie Church. Give you an insight into some of the things that they said about you guys. Now, what, what was said was... Um, was talking about the life of the service and, and how things go and, and we have our children in with us and, and we, we, what was expressed was that we make sure we keep them in until we've had communion. As churches of Christ, as a, as a, as a community of believers across the country, we have communion every single week and we see a great significance in that. And certainly we're able, we try and keep our kids in to be a part of that significant thing. We welcome kids in the life of our church. We do. Jesus does. And may we continue to do it ourselves. Jesus also valued children. He didn't just welcome them with nicety, but he also valued children. Two weeks ago, we read how Jesus paralleled his worth with the worth of the marginalised. When you see them, that is me. And he does it again here with children. Jesus uses these strong words in verses 5 and 6. And whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. But if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Now, after reading words like that, I feel like, I feel like there needs to be like a bit of an expression like, let that be a warning to you. Just like, like a pirate with one leg and the beard's coming down. And just make sure you hear that. Just me then, okay. Um, there, was that, there was that one time, I tell you, where I was on a camp. And, and at this campsite, there was an enclosed pool with lots of space. And one of the leaders was sitting up on this, this fence like this high. And I was walking along with a kid outside the fence. I said, hey, see that ball you've got? 
why don't you throw it at the back of that leader? I couldn't do that. They could fall off. Oh, they'll, they'll yell at me, they'll get angry. And every time I tell you, I say, it's okay. Just tell them John, I told you to do it. It's happened many times, many times. Now we're, we're not talking about things like that. But the things where we lead one of these to sin. He shows that there are grave consequences for this. Jesus suggests that it would be better to die a violent death than to lead a child away from God. This puts a tremendous weight of responsibility, doesn't it? On the role that we play in bringing up children. You know, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, it charges us in the Old Testament law that this responsibility was on families and parents and it was also on the community that they belonged to. The weight of responsibility is, of course, on parents. It's also as on us as a Christian community. The value of children that Jesus has is seen here. We can also see it in the Jewish tradition when it comes to Passover. Exodus 13.8 actually puts this into practice. It's such a holy time for the, Jew, for the Jews in tradition. And it's also special to us, of course, because it represents Jesus dying on the cross. And what is actually put into the tradition back in Exodus 13 is the role that the children would play in remembering the Passover. That while there would be adults to tell the story of what the uh, Israelites went through in coming out of Egypt, the children had the special task to ask questions, to be the ones who prompted parts of the story, to actually lead the way in the remembering. They were valued to be taught and to play a role in that time. Jesus values children. We need to value the contributions children can make too. F.F. Bruce, one of my favourites, you'll hear me quote him here and there, summarised the thoughts of the disciples that day when they spoke with Jesus. This is what he wrote of their thoughts. Of course, he is just guessing. A little child with all its faults would not be considered with any scale of greatness. And I think sometimes... Perhaps we can find ourselves guilty of thinking the same thing. Of maybe dismissing the role they could play or what they could do or who they are. Without even realising it. And I can say in the last month I have done exactly that. And I've had to journey and reflect with God as I've prepared this going, Oh, I realise I made that same mistake. If we do value children, then we'll be deliberate in training our children. If we value Christ and the salvation we have, then we will give what we value to our kids. Whether that would be prayer before bed, or before a meal, or at some other time. 
modelling our own personal times with God so that they would hope for what they see that we have. To be open with them about our fasting when there's something special enough to us to commit to God. Maybe it's about getting lost in a better, a self-abandoning worship to our God. Putting God first when you have competing priorities, even when you don't want to perhaps do what God wants you to do. And maybe you recognise that, but you go, you know what? Setting the example is far greater. Maybe it's just about pointing to God to be their biggest support. We like to be the lifeline. And I know, I know that as Reuben gets older, I want to be the lifeline and the biggest support and step in. But it's about pointing them to God to be their biggest support. Now, each of these things are relevant to all of us. It doesn't matter how old our kids are. These things can continue to be modelled and taught and trained, whether they want to hear it from us or not. Whether our kids are little, whether our kids are big, whether the kids that I'm talking about that perhaps God is pointing out are the kids that are next door as neighbours or perhaps somebody else that you have a chance to mentor in your lives. This is something for all of us. Let's be intentional in showing the value to our kids by sharing the most important thing in our lives, Jesus. Now, I do value our kids, so I'm going to try not to speak too long and move on to our next point. But it is a big point this morning. Children were Jesus' example. We've all been kids, hopefully. None of you have taken a shortcut between, say, like 12 and 20. Yeah, I haven't cut across. We've all been there. We all know what it's like. We all understand it to a degree. Sometimes we forget what it's like. But we've all been there. And that's why they are a perfect example for us. Our approach to children is important. It's important to welcome them, to value them. But not more important than what they represent for us. What it means to enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus used the boy with the loaves and the fishes to teach about faith and bringing, uh, and bringing the little we've got to Jesus. Even as a child, Jesus served as an example to his family when he went missing for three days. And then when they eventually found him, they, they found him in the temple and he said these words, Why were you searching for me? He said, Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Who here likes medicine? Oh, come on, David, as a doctor. 
it's, it's funny, if you put your hand up, I still would have been like, well, of course, you were, there was no winning in that scenario. <laughs> no one likes medicine. All the things it does for you. No, that's okay. You're not meant to like medicine. You're meant, you're meant to like and appreciate the effects of medicine and what it does for you. But if you were to stand here and go, you know what? I do really have, a, have an inkling for that cough medicine. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Who likes to be jabbed by needles? Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, we don't generally like medicine. And here is our medicine. How would we go hearing what Jesus said, said to us after we lost our child? These words. Now these words, they had so much more meaning because indeed he was the son of God. But it makes you wonder, how would you go receiving that? If nobody else was allowed uh, in that place, of course, Jesus was allowed. But what if that example was made to us? Because even his parents, who knew who Jesus was, actually says in Luke chapter 2, they didn't understand it. They didn't get it. The son of a friend of mine, when he rode the bus to school as an early, um, early primary school aged uh, student, the story goes that he would try and tell the bus driver and, and different passengers about Jesus. You know, I remember when I heard, first heard that story, it's like, oh, that's beautiful, isn't it? Oh, that's lovely. How do you think we'd go if we were sitting with that kid or if that kid was ours? Would we stop them doing it? Would we let them go? Would we then take that example and go about doing it ourselves? Even when our child's not with us on the bus? How do we go with the example of children? How about this? Fictitious fictitious scenario? If we got distracted at home for a couple of minutes... You know, we're just focused on something and somehow our, our 10-year-old child left the house. I know there's a story in, in my, family's, uh, my family about my older brother getting on his trike and riding off to see Dad at work. And he got halfway around the block and across to the lake in, in, next to town and, and before Mum had finally caught up with him and ran after him after leaving the twins at home. Imagine now uh, having a 10-year-old who got out. And just for a few moments and then you, you found them down the street around the corner with a quarter of the watermelon from the fridge and giving it to the person sitting down there on the ground. How do we go with that example? If I'm truthful, I'll probably find myself going, great, this is a great opportunity to talk to them. This will, this will be good. We'll have a little bit of a chat and then, oh, it's getting late. Hey, oh, this is nice to meet you. We well, better head on back home. Would we invite them to come back home because we couldn't prepare dinner anyway? How do we go with the example of our children? William MacDonald said, In order to be a genuine believer, a person must abandon thoughts of personal greatness. And I would suggest so many other thoughts need to be abandoned. And take the lowly position of a child. Now, I'm not being naive. I'll say that now. You might be thinking, oh, well, Jono, like, 
like the risks that would be involved if we were to live the way that kids live or think the way that kids think or act the way that kids act. I mean, how much more complicated things will be, the, the problems that there would be. Children that are innocent, they, they, they wouldn't realise the, the things that could happen or the people that are out there. I couldn't do that. I couldn't, I couldn't live with that simplicity that the kids have about them. You don't know what could happen. Well, yes, I do. And one of those things, someone could come to be in a relationship with Jesus. Someone could encounter the love of Jesus. Now, if we want to compare the things that could happen to us if we were to live the way that they lived, let's compare. How could those things compare with the love of Christ? They may be radical suggestions, but Jesus was a radical person. We need to be challenged to live like the examples that he's given us. We see things so differently to how Jesus sees them. And somehow we still justify, oh yeah, but that would happen, or that would happen, or that would happen, or that would happen. We justify it with those risks. Hopefully we can look at our children and see them how Jesus sees them, because I suggest it is how God sees us. 1 John 3, verse 1. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. Exclamation mark right there. And that is what we are. How incredibly special it is to be a child of God. You see, they are our example. Because when God is in the picture, he doesn't see us any different to them. What difference does it make if an ant is older, bigger, wiser, earn more money, have a better job, live a much more complex life, so many more things to weigh up in light when faced with the mercy or judgment of a giant foot? One ant is no different to another. These are God's words from Job 38. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Have you ever given order to the morning or shown the dawn its place that might take the earth by the edges and shake the wicked out of it? Have you ever entered the storehouses of snow or seen the storehouses of the hail? Do you send lightning bolts on their way? Do you point out to me, God, where I lost my place? Do you see lightning bolts on their way? Do they report to you and say, here we are? Do you know the depths of the sea? Were you there in the beginning? Do you know the thoughts that I had of you before you were even made? This is who God is. And we would question him. 
We know what he wants us to do, but we still come up with the different thoughts of, oh, well, what about this? What about this? We dare question him in what he wants us to do. We would dare tell him sometimes that he isn't good. We would give blame to him for the atrocities of this world and the tragedies in our life. We dare tell God that he isn't real just because we've come to know more in this world through science. We'd be proud enough to think that we're good enough to go to heaven. Who are we to say these things? Who are we to think these things? Who are we? In context of this great God. God has called us to be sons and daughters of him. Children are our example because we are God's children. Let's not overcomplicate things. Let's be simple as the children show us the way to be. Let them remind us of who we really are in Christ. Let's delight in the little things. Let's have a laugh. Relax a little sometimes. Have you ever had one of those moments where a kid says something to you? Or like, oh, just relax sometimes. Or you think, oh, you're not taking this seriously. Well, maybe we need to loosen up and not take it seriously. Let's not, got, let's not get caught up in the grown-up things that they just don't understand. Let's not overcomplicate things. Maybe we need to focus on the here and now instead of worrying about what it's going to be like in five years' time. Oh, but what about then? Or what about then? You know what, maybe we need to just be enjoying living where we are right now in where God has brought us to be and let him look after the rest. They say the more we know, the more we realise how little we do know. And crazily, the, the irony is those kids, as we grow, all we want to do is be older and bigger and have money and have this. The irony is that we need to continue to be like these, these kids, to welcome them, to value them, and actually work to be more like them instead. They are our example. Now, to pray this morning, we could pray for us and what we need to do. But I'm going to leave that between you and God. Let's pause and pray for our kids. Value them. Do the best we can and give them to God because he does far greater than what we can. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the delight of these kids. Lord, that they are here in this place. And Lord, that they will be able to delight through all that you've brought for us this morning. God, we ask 
that you would continue to nurture them and keep them safe. Lord, for when they need to be sick, Lord, you will build them stronger through that. And God, when they're healthy, that they can do so much. We place them in your hands to be with them every single day watching their steps. God, help us to continue to lift them up in prayer. God, no matter their age, Lord, to never forget to pray for our kids wherever they find themselves in life. God, we do pray for the parents in this room. God, we ask that you would give them wisdom and lead them in their ways as parents to show, to teach, to Lord, to know when to show boundaries and guidelines and Lord, also to show grace and mercy. Lord, let them lead as you lead. Father, we do pray for our Christian community here. God, help us live in ways to speak into their lives, to give prompts, Lord, to support them, to support their parents and to always be pointing them towards God. God, may we not be a hindrance and get in the way ever. God, help us live with patience for our kids and leave them in your hands for when we need to trust in you greater, Lord. They are yours first and we thank you for giving them to us. But God, we trust them in your hands. And God, we just also pray for the kids that we have. Lord, that we will be able to encourage them and find a place for them to wherever and however they can to be a part, to play a part in our church. To champion them and to see them reach great heights in loving you. And God, soften our hearts daily to be more like them. It's in your name we pray. Amen.